You staying home tonight? I hadn't planned on it, no. Plan on it. All right. Woo. We're here. You're here. Hi, Jenna. <laughs> Thanks for coming Hi. on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, I should call this series, like, people like people who I've, I've low-key been following on Instagram, but not for extremely <laughs> long, but then who, like, pass this marker of, like, definitely interesting, definitely someone I want to talk to. You're very kind. Yeah. So I guess I made the cut. You definitely made the cut. I mean, this I is feel, a this is a ma- this is a massive podcast. I don't know if you know, <laughs> but but podcasts are exploding, and we are on the cutting edge. I, that's what I've heard. I've heard that you are on the cutting edge, so I'm I'm grateful to be a part of it. <laughs> I mean, the guest list is very long. So, um, so for for our massive audience and for my mom, uh, who are yeah. you? Who are you? What do you do? What's your background? So my name is Jenna Viviano, and um, I have a career coaching business. So what I help do is I help people figure out what they want to do with their lives and teach them how to get there. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got into it in a really weird way. I used to work on Wall Street. I worked at the New York Stock Exchange. Then I like made a massive pivot and worked for like a 33-person startup um, and in sales. And I never had a retail job in my life. And so I realized I was pretty good at switching jobs and positioning myself. And then people started asking me for help. And that's kind of how my business started. And so it's evolved Dang. over the years. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. Super exciting. Uh, where'd you, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh. Oh, Go Steelers. Oh, nice. I went to uh, college in Steubenville. It's oh, like a really, really small town outside of Pittsburgh. I yeah. Actually, in Ohio though. Yes. I actually manned a Pittsburgh Steelers game. I was on the rugby team and as a fundraiser, we had to pat people down. Like we had to play security. And I don't oh. know if you could tell over video, those of you listening at home, I am not someone who can stop an armed, like, <laughs> I'm a skinny man. I'm a frail, fragile and man. And stance can get intense. So. Yes, they get very intense. It was my first, yeah. do you say yins? No, okay. I don't. Thank God. I, I, was see, about to... I see y'all though, and okay, I'm not fine. from the South. I'm kind of a hypocrite, but no, it's, I've just gone with it. That's fine. I say y'all, and I'm not from the South, but, uh, well, I live in the South now, but, um, but yeah, that was the, my first time meeting someone that said yins. It freaked me out. I told her to repeat herself like four times. I was like, what? Oh, say yeah. that again? Okay, so you grew up. inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in. I love Pittsburghers, but that's yeah. inappropriate. <laughs> Hashtag we love you, Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. So you grew up in Pitts- Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> what, like, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I have a sister. She's awesome. Okay. She's five years younger than me. She lives in D.C. Okay, She's okay. killing it. So, my mom and dad are still in the whole family, still in Pittsburgh, though. Okay. And what was your what was your very first job? I worked at Annie Ann's. What is that? Is that the pretzel like... shop in the mall? You know, you like Annie did Ann's? the pretzel. Yeah, Annie Ann's pretzel shop. They oh, had sugar free oh, pretzels. Okay, I thought you said pet shop. Oh no, no. So I really pretzels. didn't like pets growing up. <laughs> Dang. So did you have to make pretzels or sell pretzels or anything? You just made them. It was a very short-lived gig. I like my parents wanted me to get a job, and so I mean, I guess I could say babysitting was probably my first job, yeah, technically. Yeah, but yeah. my first job where I got a paycheck, you know, from from an establishment besides like my na- next door neighbor was Annie Ann's. Okay. And so, yeah, I made I I don't think I ever stayed long enough to graduate to actually making the pretzels. I think I just <laughs> did check out okay. because I just didn't stay there long enough. I had play practice. I was in a musical theater, and I, that kind of took over my life. Yeah. So I was like, sorry, I gotta quit. <laughs> okay, so then tell me the story going from uh you're you're cashing people out, they're they're buying their pretzels and going yeah. to shop at American Eagle and then now you're on Wall Street. Like what's the fill in the gap there? <laughs> Uh, so I went to a school in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania called Lehigh University. It's a small liberal arts school. It's really heavy in engineering. A lot of really smart people go there. Mm-hmm. I was not necessarily one of those people, but the engineers are different level smart. Yeah. Um, and so I was in the business school and I remember I was going in for an intern, actually got an internship to work for an investment bank. Um, but for my interview for that, I remember going into the interview and my friend, it was my first professional interview ever I prepared for. And my friend dressed me and she put me in this like really like, like choking sheath dress that she would wear. And she looked really great in it. I thought I was going to die. I went into my professor's office and I started crying and she goes, go back up to your house, go get changed, wear something you feel comfortable in, which was wildly inappropriate for an investment banking interview. (laughs) The guy that was interviewing me happened to be from Pittsburgh. And so we bonded and I got the job and that was my first internship was working for an investment bank on wall street. Dang. Okay. And then what happens? How long were you there? I would didn't stay very long. So yeah, when yeah. I did an internship and then I had, um, 
you know, in the business world and on the East Coast there, I didn't grow up knowing what Wall Street was. I barely even knew what New York City was beyond my musical theater world that I really cared about as a kid. Yeah. And um, all of these mostly men <laughs> really prized for these investment banking jobs. And honestly, I kind of fell into it. Yeah. And I remember I got the offer letter to um, be a full time analyst before my first day of senior year of college. So I was like cruising yeah. my senior year. Yeah. Um, and then I started the job and I realized that a full time job is a lot different than an internship. <laughs> <laughs> you are there for a long time. Yeah. And I was hundred hours a week. I was, um, yeah, I mean like 80 to hundred hours a week, every week. Um, I didn't have weekends. I was constantly attached to my blackberries cause we used them that those then. Oh, shout um, out to blackberries making a comeback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I had my, I had friends coming to town and I couldn't actually spend time with them. Yeah. Hurricane Sandy happened that, that time. It was just Dang. a terrible, terrible year. So there was about nine months that I lasted. And I remember, I was laying on the bathroom floor on a Saturday morning at the building. I won't tell you what the address is because you could figure out where the employment is. <laughs> I was laying on the bathroom floor and I just remember being like, God, if you're real, you have got to get me out of here. Mm. You have got to get me out of here. Mm. And uh, about two weeks later, a sorority sister had told me about this job at the New York Stock Exchange and I went in for the interview. I'm pretty sure I cried during it. Uh <laughs> during the interview. During the interview, like, yeah. Like you were like, please like save me kind of cry? Or was it like I was it like always, I want this job so bad or like Yeah, it was it was I was so exhausted. Yeah. So I had left the office the night before, really late, probably past midnight, um, and had an interview at eight o'clock in the morning and I didn't prepare. I they asked me the woman asked me, she's so sweet, she asked me a question that I should have known the answer to that was more technical, and I just turned around and went, I just don't know. <laughs> I started tearing up. And, um, but I left that interview. I remember getting my cab ride back home and, um, I remember thinking not back home, back to work. Cause I had to go into the office. Um, Dang. and I remember thinking to myself, I think I got that job yeah. of all the, you know, I just, I just remember having like a very clear piece about it where I was like, I think I got that job. Yeah. Um, and fast forward a couple weeks later, um, I always joke now, uh, one of the, the, the gentleman who actually ended up hiring me. I always tell him that he saved me from investment banking. So that's been the big joke over the years. Dang. He saved me from investment banking. I worked um, at the New York Stock Exchange for two years, which is awesome. Yeah. So tons of experience, I'm sure. Yeah. So, lots so, of experience. So then you wind up, so how long were you there? And then you wind up at a startup. I want to hear about that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked at the NYC for about two years and a little bit of change. And I, while I was there, you see all these entrepreneurs making their companies go from nothing to something. I saw Twitter IPO. So my team would basically go in. Um, I would support the managing directors that would go in and pitch the CEOs and CFOs of companies about to IPO, why they should list their stock on New York versus NASDAQ yeah. or NAS, NASQAQ, as we used to call them um, as a joke behind the scenes. <laughs> or maybe I just said that. I don't know. Um, they probably wouldn't appreciate me saying that. I, I personally said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so I was working there. I've seen all these companies go to you know IPO. I, saw, I worked on Alibaba, which was the biggest IPO in the history of the world. <laughs> really? I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so I was there doing that, what they call the IPO boom, yeah. which was really awesome. Great experience. Um, and I just w wanted to be a part of the startup scene. I, I kind of realized I had a really big interest in seeing these companies go public and yeah. um, see like, this is a pretty good deal. Yeah. <laughs> Going public is a pretty good deal. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Yeah. Um, and so I just started searching around for different, um, the tech scene in New York was just kind of starting to really burgeon where yeah. San Francisco was much more, it was a bigger deal there. Yeah. Um, and I happened to stumble across these, um, the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Mm -hmm. And on that list were two women called, um, Catherine and Alex, and they yeah. founded this company called the Muse, which is a career advice site. The Muse. And, okay. I think mm -hmm. I've, I've heard of this. Yes. Yes. It's very popular. <laughs> I need to take notes here. Yes. Take notes. Um, amazing company, amazing women. And I was actually using their platform to find awesome companies to work for because they actually highlight the culture of an organization. They go in and take videos and photos of what it looks like to work there so that potential employees can really decide, hey, do I actually want to work for this company? Okay. Um, and I find that like 95% of people in my practice don't ever leave um, job functions. They always leave cultures or bosses. Interesting. Interesting. They never really leave just a job function. Okay. Um, so what were you doing at the Muse? Were you doing like finance related stuff or what? what, what was no, your... I was doing sales. Oh, okay. 
So they, that was the big pivot where I had this finance degree actually applied online, got rejected naturally because why would they hire somebody for a sales job who literally doesn't have any sales experience? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Typical inside sales experience. Yeah. Um, and I remember sitting with somebody that I worked with at the New York Stock Exchange and I was just telling her just I was feeling so frustrated about the whole process. I had interviews at all these places, but nothing felt right. And she goes, why don't you apply to the news? I went, oh, I already applied. And she goes, let me see if I can get your resume in someone's hands. So a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend got my resume in front of the CEO. Nice. And they brought me in. And they ended up hiring me. So um, I worked Dang. there for about two years. I worked in the sales function for about one. And then I launched the sales training program there. Nice. Simultaneously while launching my career coaching side hustle. Yeah. Okay. So at the same time, so you're kind of overlapping this mm-hmm. per, you know, side project of helping people one-on-one while you're doing – I think that's really smart. Yes. Yes. If I could like give any advice to somebody trying to launch their own thing, do it on the side first. Mm. Figure out how to make money. Yeah. Because <laughs> the transition of doing it full time was everyone's like, oh, that must have been so stressful. It really wasn't. That sounds really bratty to say. Yeah. Because I think the answer people want to hear is, oh, it was so hard. It was really challenging. Prepare yourself. It wasn't because yeah. I had prepared myself for two years of really understanding my business, understanding what I could offer. And it's obviously evolved and changed as you work on it full time, but yeah. I knew how to get, how to make money. <laughs> yeah. You had that platform and you were ready to kind of jump mm-hmm. over. Well, cool. Yeah. So, so you worked there for two years and then you just went full time into this, into coaching. Yeah. Went full time into coaching. And so give, give me your pitch. Like, what is it specifically <laughs> that you help? I mean, it's not, it's, it's not every, I mean, it's not all the way back to uh, what do you wear? I mean, there is a little bit, I think I've saw of like, what do you wear, but it's yeah. not, but like, what is it specifically that you love helping people with? I love helping mid to senior level professionals. So those people in their thirties, forties, fifties, um, figure out what their personal career brand is in mm. order to pitch themselves more effectively in the job market process. So it is really competitive out there. There's a ton of jobs. It's oversaturated. Resumes are getting completely like thrown to the side because of these softwares. You have to have a personal brand in order to showcase who you are and what value you bring to the table. So it's almost treating every candidate as if they're their own business yeah. and they need to showcase what their value proposition is. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah. Well, I love this phrase that you have here, this personal career brand. Yeah. Like it's like because I think a lot of people might think of a personal brand and they're like, well, I don't want to just take pictures of my butt on Instagram. Like I want to, <laughs> I wa- no. yeah, I want to work as a, I want to work as an investment banker or something like that. What you know? Why would I build up some type of brand? Is a very yeah. strange thing. So explain a little bit what you mean by personal career brand because I feel like this is a very like 2018 it is. idea it's a buzzword. Yeah. yeah. Well, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. But yeah. I think that is like this is exactly the kind of stuff I I worked as a high school youth minister for a long time. And, you know, a lot of the kids would come to me and ask me, you know, career advice and, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, obviously I'm doing all of this crap. So I'm, I'm, I am <laughs> kind of pro like building some type of platform or writing on sure. something and, and trying things out and yeah. tasting things. And, um, so anyways, like explain what you mean by personal career brand. So I think a personal career brand in ju- everyone has one, whether yeah. they realize it or not. Yeah. It's just a matter of if you're cultivating it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everyone, it's the same thing as what's your reputation? What are you known for? What do people associate you with? Mm-hmm. So it, there's kind of four different people that really need a career brand. Everybody needs one, but yeah. who really focus, you can fit yourself in one of these four buckets. You're either a job seeker. You're looking for a job. You are um, at any age, really. You can be young or you can be old. I actually recommend it for all ages. They need to be building it. So that's the second bucket. So everyone fits into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Someone who wants to get a promotion internally into their organization. And then finally, the last piece is who wants to be a thought leader. So that could look if you're trying to start your own side hustle, if you're trying to be considered an expert in your field beyond just your where you work. Yeah. Um, Or you can be an expert in something else that you're trying to put yourself into. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so... What I'm thinking about, and I'm thinking about people listening to this or just the people, um, well, the people that I talk to a lot, I'm thinking yeah. about college kids going out into the workforce or, mm-hmm. or ki- kids that are in college that are thinking about uh, that coming up, resumes and stuff coming up. Um, yeah. I mean, especially it's November, you know, um, when I was in college, like this is a time where I'm thinking about, all right, what's what's my exit strategy into the world? Yeah. So what, what would be kind of maybe a one or two things that you would say people start with, especially if they have nothing. They have no website. They have no, um, maybe they're not even sure what career to go into. They just have an idea like finance or economics or, you know, what, what in 2018, 2019, would you recommend people start with, especially college students? I think just having a LinkedIn profile that's up 
present and you have a picture on it. It doesn't have to have a ton of experience, yeah. but LinkedIn, 95% of recruiters are on LinkedIn. So if you're not on LinkedIn, you're missing out. Yeah. That's the first thing. And the second thing as a college student, clean up the rest of your profiles. Mm, mm, yeah. So clean up your Facebook, clean up your Instagram. I don't want to see you out drinking and doing all that stuff that's on a public profile. Yeah. Either keep it private or don't post it at all. Okay. So this, this is what I was like the most interested in getting your take on because I, yeah. I go back and forth in my, in my head a lot about this kind of stuff. Do yeah. you, how important is like how curated, how squeaky clean should our, should our profiles be? You know, I think it goes back to the initial question of what do you want your reputation to be? Mm. So if you're okay with your reputation being that you go out every, every pictures of you drinking, then that's probably the reputation that you're going to have leading with you. Right. It just depends on the curation really just should be an outpouring of who you are. It shouldn't be necessarily massively, massively curated unless you're a business owner or something like that. That's an exception to the rule. But if you're using your platforms to build out your personal brand, it should always reflect who you are internally. And if who you are internally is not actually going out every single night, that's what you're, that's what you are showcasing to the world. And so you just want to make sure that you monitor that more effectively. So I don't think it's a matter of, Yes, all yes, all no. I have some pictures of me drinking a glass of wine because that's part of who I am. Yeah. Um, Well, it seems like it seems it seems like there's there's two ends of the spectrum. There are some Mm -hmm. I have some friends that are like I don't put anything online because I don't want anyone to see anything. Which in some ways that's kind of bad because you're missing out an opportunity to to like you said like position yourself as a thought leader in an area or at least show some of your work. Like here's work. Or even network with people. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. The social media sites, if you use them for their true intention is to connect with people offline. Yeah. Like you connect with them online and then connect with them offline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we connected online and now we're kind of still online, but it's in a more one-on-one type of situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing if you're on LinkedIn. I've met my best friend and roommate on Instagram. Dang. Crazy story there. That's a longer story, but Dang. I met her on Instagram. Dang. Um, and I, I met a boyfriend on LinkedIn and wow. like all these different things. And so I think it's more about the connections that you could make. I don't agree yeah. with there being completely offline because exactly. you're missing so much yeah. information. But I think tempering that is important. Okay, LinkedIn. What about what about a website? I I have a tendency to push people towards creating some type of website. How do you yeah. feel? I mean, do you feel like that's important for college kids? I, I see a lot of graphic design students going that route because it's like, here's my portfolio. Yeah. It would be really interesting to see people in markets or or, or careers that aren't traditionally ha- that don't traditionally have a website yeah. making a website like a resume or something like that. I mean, what like what's your take on that? I think it's interesting. I actually don't do it for a lot of my clients because I don't do- see the immediate gratification of that gotcha. necessarily. I think it's a more of a long-term play if you're trying to build a platform or like what you're talking about is relevant to your career. I think that's totally yeah. appropriate. Yeah. But you're right, graphic designers, I absolutely recommend it. You yeah. if you're in any type of creative field, you need to have a website. If you're not in a creative field, um LinkedIn kind of serves as a website. Honestly, yeah. like I tell my clients, write content on LinkedIn, write articles and it's basically the same thing as having a blog. Yeah. Man, I have to be honest, I have not I have not gotten back into LinkedIn in a long like I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk and some other people talking about it. I'm like, LinkedIn, man, I have not even typed All of in, my clients. I know I've not LinkedIn. typed in LinkedIn and it must have it, it's changed a lot since like the, I've last logged in, so so LinkedIn's yeah, pretty powerful. It's a pretty powerful tool and especially if you're trying the way that I don't know all the, how all the algorithms work, but all yeah. I do know is that the more people you are connected with, you post something, someone likes it, their whole their whole feed sees it. And so the reach gets really fast, uh, gets really large really fast. Um, that's how I've expanded my, uh, blown up my business through LinkedIn this past year. Granted, I'm targeting the people that are directly on LinkedIn. They're often looking for a job, yeah. but there's a lot of people that, um, the, the people who really know how to use LinkedIn really well are recruiters mm-hmm. and salespeople. Okay. And so if the recruiters are on the website and they know how to quote unquote use it, there's some, I still have some questions if they actually know how to use it well or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but if they are the people that actually knew, know it really well, you need to be on it if you're trying to find a job or you're trying to build your personal brand or trying to network with people. Yeah. Networking is really what it's most valuable for, in my opinion. Okay, so let's let's uh, sidestep. Like, f- let's forget about college students. They're you know, forget you, college students. What about what? <laughs> I mean, what about? I mean, you, you said you were building your your business on there, something like this, like a podcast, or like 
a personal brand that's yeah. not targeted towards people trying to find a job, would you say that small business owners or people creatives should be using LinkedIn? So creatives, it depends on who you're, t- it all depends on who your audience is. Yeah. So if you're small, you have to, with every small business, whether you are, you might be a small business servicing certain types of professionals and that actually might be on your LinkedIn. But if you're, yeah. if you're a serve, if you're a small business owner and you're only serving people locally, there are ways to do it. So I've had real estate agents reach out to me on LinkedIn, which is an interesting tactic. They had didn't, they went about it totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's an interesting way to also go about it. So I, I've seen different types of businesses, not just like myself, who is a career coach, yeah, um, speaking to people, but other people as well that utilize it and have gotten leads from it. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, back to social media. And, um, well not back to, we're all talking about, we're talking about all of that, but back yeah. to curating your, um, your presence online. I, yeah. there is, um, uh, something that came up in ministry. There was a mom whose daughter, um, was caught up in a three second video, uh, mm-hmm. on Snapchat where she was in the background and it went viral and she, they were singing, um, they were singing a some song or something and it and it had the n word it was like 3 seconds of the n word and it was just mm. and it looked pretty bad i mean it's just a it's just a sea of blonde white girls right oh man and i this, think i heard about this actually oh really yeah and Whoa. yeah and um it went pretty viral you know here and um the mom was just devastated De- and yeah. and felt like my daughter's never getting into college. She's never, she's never going to get a job. She, I mean, this is everywhere mm. now, granted as someone who tries to get attention constant, <laughs> like, let me just <laughs> rephrase as someone who's trying to get attention constant. I feel like I was about to say as someone who's constantly seeking attention as someone who's trying <laughs> to get people to look at stuff that I make online, yeah. you know, she was like 3000 views. And I was like, well, 3000 views is not, I mean, that's a, that's a lot, yeah, right, right, right. it's not the end of the world. It could have been way worse. Um, but what, what is your, as, as we get more and more cameras around us and more and more Mm -hmm. things recording every second of our lives, I mean, I mean, is, is a a kid going into college, like, are they ruined by something like that? Or, or what, what do you even do if you're in college and something ends up going online? I mean, it, it, I, yeah. it really sucks if you have no social media presence because then they type in your name and that's the only thing that comes up, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I think I'd go back and forth on that. Yeah. I just kind of, I think it's just if it's already happened to you, like there's grace for that, you yeah. know. I, I think that's my first reaction to that in the first place. But try not to put yourself in situations where that's going to happen. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I don't know, and I think I think generally as a generation. Um, we, and me, myself included have a problem with oversharing everything Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's going to come back to bite us in the butt and the younger generation past them are going to, I I think it's going to be a swing the other way Yeah, just because it's not sustainable. Um, it's literally like we are, we are recording, we're on the Truman show. Yeah. We're doing it to ourselves. (laughs) But do you think that there's a, do you think that we will reach a point where we'll start treating like treating online, like treating people's personal brands or whatever, like we'll give them more leeway publicly by saying, Hey, like this post from 10 years ago was, was this way, you know, you've, you've changed since then. Right. Like a lot of times, um, especially when I talk to people who are just starting writing online, they're really nervous about getting their, getting the article exactly right. Like, Uh, like here's my opinion. And I want to make sure that, that I can stand behind this for the rest of my life. I'm like, well, you're going to change, you know, like, um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. And I don't know if you have some advice for people that feel that way, that feel so paralyzed by what they put out of themselves that they have to constantly be the same for all eternity. Yeah. I mean, my first blog was called Giant in Heels. <laughs> so why, Wait, wait, wait. Why was it Giant in Heels? Are you like seven foot I'm, tall? I'm five foot nine. My sister would say you're five foot nine and a half. I'm five foot ten. And I always wear heels. And so I would be taller than all the boys all the time. Okay. Well, that's not Um, that tall. No, it doesn't seem like that tall. But then when you wear like three or four inch heels, you're like six foot. That's true. That's true. Um, And so I would always be the person that was, so I call myself giant in heels. So those first pieces of content were not good. But I just kept putting them out there and putting them out there. And I got better and I got better and I got better. And so 
Um, I think that we will have grace for that in mm-hmm. the future. Um, I don't think we're there right now. No, heck no. I mean, you just look at politics alone. Yeah. Like, I think about that. I've talked to my best friend about that. Him and I have just chatted like, our generation is screwed. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's rough. Everything is out there yeah. that we've ever done. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like, it, that is paralyzing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be the first generation that our kids are going to be able to see how we grew up from exactly. like, I was in high school when Facebook came out and they're going to see my high school years all the way through. I think about that and all the time. I used to flip through, weird. like whenever I got bored, I used to flip through little photo albums and see things. And I'm like, oh, my, yeah. my kids are just yeah. going to scroll through my photos, you know, like they're just going to scroll through Facebook photos. Like that's going to yeah. be the new way of looking back on your yeah. parents' life. Yeah. It's going to be weird. I mean, I'm sure we're going to listen back to this and be like, how did they think that's weird? <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. But um yeah, I don't know. So I, I don't really have any wise words for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Just to try and be smart. Yeah. Um and try not put your to put yourself in situations where that's going to be a thing. And I understand the girls in the background. Um, I would just I don't think she's ruined for life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think that she, um, people make mistakes and just, unfortunately we're having a lot of our life documented and that would those mistakes become public pretty fast. Yeah. I remember, well, one of the things I said was, man, you know, most of the parents that are really mad about this, if there were phones back around when they were 16, (laughs) they'd they'd probably really regret some things that were recorded too, you know? Uh, 100%. Yeah. Yes. My grandmother's generation, all of them, they would all regret it. (laughs) And so, um, I, I, I hope that there will be grace for some of that in the yeah. future. So where does, uh, you have in your Instagram profile, the intersection of, I think faith and work. Is that what you said? Yeah. So, Jesus and work. Jesus yeah, and yeah. work. There you go. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah. what, what, what has, um, your like relationship with God been like, and then how does that, you know, is, how does that relate to what you do? Yeah. So I, um, grew up in a Presbyterian home. We ended up, we grew up going to church and, um, but I wasn't really walking with the Lord, um, for, I would say a large portion of my later teens, early twenties. Um, and where the rubber really hit the road was in that investment banking job where I was just a fraction of myself. Mm. I was doing all the things you shouldn't be doing. And, um, I remember laying on the floor and saying, God, if you're real, you need to like save me from this. And so two weeks later I had that job opportunity and it was actually at the New York stock exchange where I would say that that's where the transformation happened. And I became a follower of Jesus. Um, I had a colleague of mine who worked there and he knew I was interested in church. I kind of always threw the word out there and Mm -hmm. like, just, just kind of threw it out there that I was like interested in going to church. And, um, he asked me if I wanted to go on this retreat that a big, huge group of his friends were going on and it was a Christian retreat. And I went, I'm not going on that. (laughs) There's no way I'm going on that. And I don't know anybody like I'm not going. This sounds really weird. And he finally just kept on pressing, pressing, pressing. And, and I finally was like, fine, I will go. I will go pay money to go to this thing. I don't want to go to. It is such a weird thing. If you think about it, like I'm going to pay money to go overnight and stay somewhere where they're just going to talk to me about stuff. And I just have to sit there and listen. Yeah. Um, but that's where I had made I, immediately. I had made friends that were believers that were my age that, um, I met my mentor on that trip. And it was that process that I started like the healing process of a lot of stuff that had gone on in my life. Dang. And, um, so for me, that's really the catalyst where I firmly believe that if more people brought Jesus into the workplace and actually stopped leaving him at the parking lot at 9am and picking mm. him up at 5pm. If mm. they integrated more of their faith at work, it would have a ripple effect. More people would come to know the Lord. They would be saved. You would have a positive ripple effect on the economy, like all these yeah. different things I yeah. firmly believe. And we have, you know, um, I go to an evangelical church and we talk a lot about marriage and we talk a lot about relationships yeah. and that's wonderful and important, but we spend a third of our life at work and there are very few sermons on, on work and faith integration. Man, that is such a good point. I saw, um, so I work at a church and so I'm constantly looking for like different resources and stuff. And I saw yeah. somewhere, so, I mean, I just want to say this isn't, I'm not taking credit for this, but there was this phrase like made for Mondays as like a sermon series. Oh, Like we're made for Mondays. Like we go to church on yeah. Sundays, but we're made for, we're made to go to Monday. And yes. like, that's our, that's our place. That's our place to like to work and to be a witness and to, and to just love the person in the cubicle next to you, you know, yeah. just love people. Did you fro- mm-hmm. froze? It yeah. For it's such a like, int- Oh, do you hear me now? And we're back. All right. Thanks. That was a message from our sponsor. And now we're back. I guess we froze for a second. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I think that just generally speaking that we just separate so much of that life because we don't know how to approach it, right? We don't know how to, how do you bring up faith in the workplace? We're so politically charged now. You're going to offend somebody. It's inappropriate. Um, and I just have taken the stance of coming to work as a whole person and, um, what happens at home translates into the office and what happens in the office translates at home. And that's what I really firmly believe to be true. When I worked at the startup, actually they interviewed me. And one of the questions they asked was like, what is really important to you? And Mm -hmm. I had been pretty far along in my, um, I'd been going to a church and had mentorship and like was really diving into my faith. And I said, honestly, going to church is what I do every Sunday, which in New York is like, you don't no one does that <laughs> really are there a lot no, of no are there a lot of evangelical churches in new york um there's a there's a couple yeah. um it's kind of like the great thing about new york is is they're very open to listen to all types of things yeah but um and if you're a believer you don't have to be so if you say that you're i'm a christian and i'm going to church you really mean i'm a christian and i'm going to church and i yeah. believe in jesus and i'm yeah. making this a part of my life yeah and so i did love that i didn't like new york for a lot of reasons but i loved new york for that reason alone and yeah. it was kind of like baptism by fire yeah. <laughs> jumping yeah. into the deep end and being like what do i think about this yeah. god jesus thing and so um yeah, that was really, really just very impactful for me. I'm always really interested in people when they have like a, a big pivot in their life or a turn in their life, mm. what, how they would describe their relationship with God beforehand, because, you know, you were, you came from a Christian background, like yeah. your parents were Christian and uh, my parents were Christian too. Well, my, my parents were Catholic and then they, they, like I had, even though I was raised Catholic, I had a very, yeah. uh, very intense like turn and, yeah. um, and so I'm just interested in what what your relationship with God was like before and then how you describe your relationship with him now, if that makes sense. That's a really great question. I would I'm not say, trying to stump you or anything. I'm just No, like, no, yeah. I, I think it's a good question. I've yeah. thought about this before. I would say it, it was stale. Mm. It was like shallow. Yeah. Like my it was I had a Tim Tebow poster in my like cubicle. That was my Christianity. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like that's literally what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and so and now he has a girlfriend, it's so sad. Oh, uh, anyway, it's so sad. Yeah. He listens to the podcast too, and so Tim oh. Tebow just like, you know, break up with her. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's a huge fan. You know, we have Fellowship Church right near us here, and uh, I think he came recently and spoke there, or maybe it wasn't recently. But anyways, he spoke there a few times. That's fancy. That's my only. That's like my only <laughs> shout out. That's my only connection to. I was really my only. This would change that for me. Yeah, right. Um, but so it was a very like very very shallow Christianity. I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, I we went on mission trips. I went to a camps. Um, like mission trips around the country. And honestly, I went because I thought it was important, but I went because there were cute boys going on the trip. Like if I were really honest yeah. about it, that's where I went. Yeah. And um, so it wasn't really real to me until I had to really be faced with some challenging things that I was going through in my yeah. work and my personal life yeah. um, and my health. And I was just like, I don't know if you're real God. And so now I would say that God is very 3D to me and I'm mm. continually trying to make him more three tangible part of my life. Yeah. Um, and I want him to be, inserted into every area of my life. Yeah. And I don't want him just to be sitting there on Sunday morning in this little box. Yeah. I want him to be kind of splattered all over everything. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe real quick, if there's someone who feels trapped by their job, or maybe yeah. feels like they're in a similar situation to you, they're trapped by their job, they feel stale, maybe they feel this like longing, and then they're just like, man, this job is killing me. Why am I doing this? I actually have a little bit of a similar story in that I was going, I I went to school just to get like, I wanted to be rich and I wanted people to think I was smart. And so that was the only reason I was there. And I was just miserable. I was just like miserable. And, and it really was like, you know, my faith that helped me make that turn. Um, but if, but if someone's listening right now, that's like, man, that's me like in my job, like what, what words of encouragement or advice would you give someone? Um, I would say that success doesn't look one specific way. Mm. Success is changes over time and what that looks like to you. Um, and I would say if you're looking to make, to get out and be like, okay, this isn't the type of success I really think that's going to fulfill me. Cause it's not right now. Mm. That was me. I mean, I was working in banking, which was like the prize jewel of, of the wall street jobs. Yeah. And I was miserable. I was making money, but I was miserable. And I was 
not a great person and I was drunk half the time. Like, I mean, all the things. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're looking to get out of that, my first step is to just start telling people that you're looking to go elsewhere. Mm, And so it's just having the conversations and that's what really started spurring for me. I was working, you know, I didn't have a lot of time. I didn't have any time to research companies. So it is truly God's grace that I got plucked out of that position and somebody somewhere else. Um, but what I would recommend for people is just to start telling people there's like four levels of networking that I tell people that, that they have their friends and family are part of their, um, professional network, even though you might not realize it, they might know someone who might know someone who might know someone who has a position available. The second is, um, current and past colleagues. So you might not feel comfortable talking to current colleagues, but past colleagues potentially would have pivoted into something similar and might Mm -hmm. be at a similar type of company. So that's a great avenue to go down. The third level would be um, your alma mater. So anywhere that you went to school, they still have to serve you. You yeah. paid them a lot of money to go there. Oh, heck yes. You can reach out to the Career Services Center, ask them to see if they're, do I have any alumni events? Are there, is there anything like that? Also, LinkedIn, great resource yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you can actually go to your school's website, see, click on the button that says see alumni, and you can actually filter for like companies, locations, like levels. I mean, it's super, super. That's why I love LinkedIn. Cause yeah. you can literally get in contact with anybody in the yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last level is just cool to emailing people. And so okay. that's, that's kind of like the four levels that I tell, just start talking to people is the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on the one hand, people, if a person of faith feels really trapped and kind of mm. drained and stale in their career, what about on the other hand? Um, sometimes, I mean, I went to a Christian university, Catholic university, and, um, Sometimes I find that they experience such a Christian environment, mm. but then they then they're kind of like these delicate butterflies who they go out into the world and they can't handle that people are people yeah. not everyone likes Christians or they can't handle that like yeah. not everyone wants to talk about the faith and and yeah. so on the other extreme how you know what would you say to encourage someone to not despair and and give up when their mm-hmm. job – when they're surrounded by people at their job that don't have the same ideas or, or mm-hmm. ideals, ideals, morals I or do. whatever? Yeah, like, yeah. like um, to not be afraid to be in that environment, you know? Yeah, it's hard. I think you have to have your people. I call them your board of directors. Oh, so wow, very yeah. business term. Yeah, that's <laughs> so great. You, that's so great. You have yeah. your, your board of directors who are your friends, your tribe. And whoever, like I have my board of directors, some people that are here in Nashville. So I, I moved from New York City. I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. Okay. And I have some people on my board here. But most of my board members are from my New York time that are spread all over the across the country. And so even if you're not physically with them, being able to talk to those people about what you're going through to not lose your faith in that, it's super easy to do. Yeah. It is super easy to do when you're spending the majority of your time around people that are like fueling the negative things maybe about Christianity mm-hmm. or maybe not positive really relating to it, or you can't relate to anything with them. When I worked at, um, the startup, it was a great company. It was a great environment, but I didn't agree with a lot of the things that the people, um, the people kind of promoted or, or whatnot was it whether for lots of different reasons, I won't even get into it, but, um, I still love them. Yeah. I still was there and I still showed up and that yeah. was my job to be the witness there. And I wasn't going to tell them they were wrong. I wasn't going to tell them that like they need to learn this, but I was just sharing my life. And if they wanted to engage, I would be there to engage with yeah, them. And e- so, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Exactly. Like, um, I think, I think people should have, should discern and, and, you know, mm-hmm. a- ask the Lord if they're supposed to be somewhere. I don't think people should stay in a toxic environment, but yeah. sometimes God sends you somewhere because you might yeah. be the only Christian in that company. Yeah. Just like you were yeah. saying, like, you're that yeah. you're made for Monday. You know, well, I guess yeah. someone else said that, but you're made for Monday. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. that might be the place that you're being sent to just be there and not Bible beat everyone, but just, yeah. just be like, Oh man, you know, this person, you know, seems to be pretty happy. Uh, and they yeah. don't do the things that we do like that. Yeah. Like I, maybe I want to be friends with them and ask them what the deal is, you know? Yeah. And I think too, like if I looking back on my experience in banking, I would have approached it completely differently, mm. knowing what I know now about yeah. the Lord and just kind of how he works. And, um, that was what he, my, my career has always been the place that God has, um, saved me, rescued me and renewed me yeah. and in every stretch of my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think for me, um, I just want to be very aware of that. And I think if more people actually thought like, oh, how is God moving in my career? How is he moving me in this place? Where am I supposed to be a witness to somebody? Where am I supposed to just show up and invite them over to my house? Yeah. Even if we, they know I disagree with them completely on a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that I would extend and offer and be there. Um, that's really what we're, I think we're called to do. That's, that's perfect. Okay. So real quick, I, I know you have, um, limited time, but I want to get into maybe some practicals. Let's talk about interviews. Do you, are you, do you want to talk about interviews? Is that okay? Oh, I love it. So what is like a, interviews are my favorite? I, me too. <laughs> me too. I I actually really love interviews. We're extroverts. That's probably why. Well, but also, I mean, I was interviewing in a market that's like much smaller and much weirder, right? Like it's like yeah. Catholic churches that are interviewing for youth ministry positions, right? So it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a lot of old women, a lot of old priests, and like yeah. you know, so it was very different. But, yeah. um, you know, and, and I have a friend who just like, I mean, he's a mechanical engineer and his interview process with these big companies was just like brutal. Right. And like, so anyways, um, what are a few things, you know, someone who's, who's maybe in 2019 going to be going into some interviews, what are like a few things that have the biggest bang for their buck? You know, like the, the whole like 20% effort giving this like 80% return, just a few little things that, um, you would recommend off the bat. Yeah, I love acronyms. So I use these with my clients, but I usually tell folks that you need to make sure that you are telling a story, that you give it structure, that you're speaking in a soundbite. Those three things. Inter- so, so story, structure, story, structure, and in a soundbite. So is this the structure and soundbite of the story? Yeah. So like, for instance, if you are, if someone's asking you the question, tell me about yourself. A lot of people go, well, I started off my career here and then I went and then they do this like little, you know, yeah. swirly thing. And yeah. you're like, wait, what were they saying yeah. again? <laughs> I was born a poor black child yeah. in 19. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're yeah. just like, what were you talking about? So yeah. um, I always tell people, even specifically, even for that question, perfect example. So yeah. tell me about yourself. First, talk about what you're doing right now. Tell a brief little story about that. Yeah. Then tell a little bit about how you got there. Yeah. Then you talk about what you're excited about for the future, ultimately always revolving it back on the company. Yeah. So if that's the structure of the stories in there and you're not speaking for 20 minutes. Yeah. So speaking in very, even as I'm talking to you, I'm speaking in sound bites. I'm giving it structure. Yeah. And so that makes the listener easier. They can understand it more and they understand what value you bring. That is the ultimate thing that you need to be conveying throughout the entirety of the interview. What is the value that you can bring? It's not about you. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> it's really about the company. A hundred percent. And what you can provide to them. And so a lot of people will go into it like, what can I tell them about me? I can do the tasks. Yeah, they care about you doing the tasks, but ultimately they want you to help them achieve their goals. Yes. And it looks like in three ways, it's either you're going to make them more money, you're going to save them money, or you're going to make someone's life easier. Yes. It's usually a combination of one of those three. Yes, yes. So if you can distill it down for them, like, hey, I'm the right person for this job because you are going to need someone who can do bam, bam, bam. Let me explain to you a little bit about how I've done that in the past. Yes, yes. It's not rocket science, and we usually try to make it a lot more complicated. It's mm-hmm. really just, and it's not arrogance either. It's I call it like confidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> confidence is not arrogance. Yeah. Um, and being able to quickly articulate that is the most important thing that you should be able to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I, I think this is important, not just for like interviews, but if you're listening and you're trying to make something online, if you're trying to do anything, a lot of times I'll even tell uh, some of my coworkers, like the youth ministers that work under me now and stuff like that. I'm like, people are selfish, you know, like no one cares about you. And so like, for instance, if you're writing a blog article and it says why I changed my mind about X, it's like, no one cares. I mean, like, like we care, I care, but, but it's much better to say why you should change your mind about X or how I will help you X or how Mm -hmm. you can change X. I think that's so important. And people go into interviews just think, like you said, just thinking about here's why you should like me as opposed to like, I know a lot about your company and I want to help you do X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's, it's totally flipping the, the, you know, flipping it on its head. And I tell people, read the job description 25 times. Yeah, That seems excessive, but you might've even glazed over it. You went straight to the requirements section, saw if you could actually fulfill it. And that's all you did. Yeah. When really, before you even get there, you need to understand, like take a glance, be like, okay, is this person requiring 10 years? I only have five. Like that's probably not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's like, Okay, Jen, I'm in the realm. Let me understand, like, what's the what's the purpose of what's the main idea of this role? Mm-hmm. The yeah. first question. Second question is like, what's the return on investment mm-hmm. this em- this employer is expecting to receive out of me? Yeah. Why are they hiring for this role? How does this fit over to the overall structure of the organization? Those are the questions you should ask before you even get to 
okay, now how do I fit, fit into it? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I go over the, I used to go over the top when I, when I would go to these interviews and I would research so much, like I would memorize yeah. people on the staff's names. I would look up yeah. financial reports. Like I would go so yeah. over the top because none of the other people that went for the interviews would do that. They would differentiate them. Oh. Like I was trying to differentiate myself as I would even sometimes write up a proposal of what I would do in the first year of ministry. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what like, and and like hand it to them. Here's like my kind of my plan, you know, based on you approving what you would want, but based on what I see here, here's what I'm going to do in the first year. If you hire me, like, let's get started kind of stuff. And people complain that the job process is hard. It's really not. I mean, it is. It yeah. can be frustrating. I don't yeah, want to yeah. be desens- uh, desensitize it. I think it's a great phrase. Sure. Um, but <laughs> I think it's right. Yeah. Um, but I think it really comes down to is people are, li- we live in an instant gratification nation. Yeah. And so because of that, we don't want to put the work in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the reality is like I ha- I will have people that will come, you know, ask me for advice and I'll t- kind of give them the, well, I- I'm not going to do that for every single one. Well, do you want the job? Exactly. I mean, I mean exactly. sorry. Like, yeah. that's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You differentiate yourself. Um, you got That's the biggest thing is you have to differentiate yourself because there are thousands of people now applying for the same job where before it was like you opened up a newspaper, you circled it, um, and you, you hope that somebody, you might have gone straight to the place, right? Yep. We mm-hmm. have a whole wide web, which makes it great to find new jobs, but it also makes it very challenging yeah. because everybody's doing the same thing. So the whole thing can be very frustrating. <laughs> so what's the, what's the, what's the biggest mistake that most people don't catch that they're doing? Like what, like I'm, I'm, I'm cause you're coaching a lot of people. So I'm sure you are mm-hmm. seeing, like, I'm sure people that have interviewed for jobs and hired people, um, mm-hmm. they have that experience of seeing lots of people do interviews. But if you've yeah. never had to sit in on an interview, you're, yeah. you're not exactly sure there might be this one thing that you never even thought that you were doing wrong or that someone does wrong. But from an employer standpoint, it's like, Oh man, this is big mistake. Yeah. Are we talking about interviewing or just talking about the process in general? Cause I got a thought on the process in general. Okay. Go with that. So people spend way too much time in their resumes. Okay. Yeah. And, um, they spend their time tweaking it and thinking that's the, the, the like golden key to solve all problems. It's not, it's definitely not. And it is a tool in the toolbox along with your LinkedIn, your cover letter, the way you network, all those different pieces. But people put like 90% of their effort into like, is this optimized enough? Yeah. You know what? I never worried about, I never got a job from applying online. Yeah. So I never worried if my resume was optimized enough. I cared about, is it going to showcase results? Is it going to showcase what I care about? Is it going to get me in the door? Because that's really all that it's going to do. Yeah. It's only going to get you in the door and no one's going to look at it after that. They yeah. look at it for six seconds. So exact- don't spend all your time yep. on that. Yep. I, cause you I, spend I've, your time building your personal brand. Yeah. So, cause anyways. I've, I no, I've, I've had to hire people and I get so frustrated by the resumes. I'm like, I like this, I'm not going to read your two page story about your yeah. time in, in Africa yeah. because I just can't, I like have yeah. to go through these. Yeah. And uh, try to find someone that I want to have a Skype call with, you know? Yeah, um, so sure. that's a that's a really good one. What about in the interview, especially mm-hmm. college kids that are like really nervous about going into those interviews? What's something yeah. that most, let's say college kids or yeah. even or even any age, but um, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know why that's just, that's probably just because my, I'm a, been a youth minister, but people who yeah. are going into the interviews that are nervous, who yeah. have not done a lot of interviewing, what's something right. that most people do that they wouldn't think is a mistake? Mm. Um, one thing which might be, people might realize it's a mistake, but, um, don't one, don't come to your interview way too early. So okay. don't come late, obviously. Yeah. But don't come way too early because that's really stressful for the people that are sitting there waiting oh, for wow. like they're yeah. you're just waiting there for if you come a half, come like 10, 15 minutes early. Perfect. Anything okay. longer than that, it's you're becoming a burden on them. Yeah. Because they have to host you. That you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. They might have other candidates coming in. So 10 to 15 minutes is the appropriate amount of time. If you get there early, go to a coffee shop down the street. Yeah. Like just chill in your car, whatever it looks like. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is at the end of an interview, always make sure you have questions. Mm. Don't have 20 questions yep. to get, ask them. Um, have something maybe you listened to that they were talking about in the interview that seemed important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, just make sure you have thoughtful questions that are going to make sure that you are interested in them as a person mm-hmm. because they are people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, two, that you have some sort of knowledge of the industry that you can talk the talk. Yeah. Um, whether you're a college student or not, if, if you have an idea, like, oh, I saw that you guys announced and you're, you're, um, 
that you um, are acquiring this XYZ company? Like, what's, how's that going to affect our team? Yeah. Like, it's a great question. If, if Just look to see, like, what was the news about them? Mm. And then talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> ask how it's going to affect the business. If at all, is it going to affect our department? Um, and then always asking a question that's related to culture and kind of the reminder that you are also interviewing them as, they're inter- as much as they're interviewing you. Mm. So you can ask questions like, um, I always tell people it's never what you say, it's how you say it. Yep. So you could say, Hey, you have really negative glass door reviews. What's up with that? Mm. Or you could say, Hey, I really don't mean to put a salt in a wound, but I noticed, um, when I was doing my research that, um, on Glassdoor, there was a commonality of like, people were saying that this was thing was going on. Can you talk about that at all? If you feel comfortable, if not totally understand. Yeah. And that's all about the context. Yes. And that's such a good point to uh, maybe to close out, but, um, you, <laughs> that you are interviewing them. Like that yeah. is such a good mind. I would, all, I, I don't know why, I don't know if this is right, but when I would go into the interviews, I would always go in with this like psyched up mentality of like, they need to convince me to work here. Like oh, I need, sure. like I'm going to ask them questions and they need to convince me that I should work here. You know, I tell all my clients that they need to make sure that they are, pres- they are coming in as a leader. So mm-hmm. they almost need to tell the employer well, based off of your job description, you're going to need someone that can do X, Y, Z. Would love to share a little bit about how I've done that in the past or mm. how I would do it in the future. Yeah, that's so great. You're leading with a leadership mentality, Yeah, but you aren't coming across as an arrogant. Yeah, you know what? yeah that's great. Okay, so. well, Jenna, this has been so fun. This has been like a tight episode and really great. I know you have to go, but this was really, really good. I'm like glad you're out there doing this stuff. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> like, for inviting me. This was really fun to talk about all the things I love. Yeah, Personal hey. Branding, interview prep, and all the faith and work stuff. So Yeah, anytime you want to come back on, feel free. Our guest list is so long, but we'll try to squeeze <laughs> you back in. Um, do you have anything you want to promote or uh, place like places that the plug where people want to – check you out or what, like what, this is the part of the show where you just plug stuff. So, um, if you want to connect with me, there's two main ways. So one, I would say get on LinkedIn and connect with me there. This is my way of hijacking you and making sure you get on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and two on Instagram. So my handle is just my first name and last name. So J E N A V I V I A N O. And I'm sure we'll have that somewhere in some show notes. Yeah. I'll have all all the links. And then um, I also launched a Word at Work devotional. So it's designed to get you um, out of your inbox in the middle of the day and get your hands in your Bible. And so it's a quick 15-minute um, midday devotional. Daggum, girl. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm super That is great. Is it, is it print or is it electronic or what is it? It's, it's a PDF right now, but we're going to be going to print hopefully by end of the year. That's awesome. Are you, are you going to self-publish Amazon? Or like, uh, Kindle. Yeah. yeah, that's the, that's the way to go. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. cool. Well, thanks Jenna for coming on. Um, I, what else? I had something else I was going to say. People should go follow, you know, go follow Jenna. If you need career consulting or advice, or you suck at interviews, contact yeah. Jenna. She's going to help you out. Oh, we, I don't think we got any, hold on one second. I don't think we got any, uh, resumes or anything. Well, you got to go anyways. Well, anyways, <laughs> thanks for coming on. <laughs> Stay for a second after. I'm just going to stop the recording. But thanks for being on here, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me.